Hey, welcome to another edition of our Coaching Podcast with the coach, Brendan Cern. So excited today, Liam Flynn, uh, who's an international basketball coach. He's been all over Australia, New Zealand, Germany, China, and now uh, at a very famous franchise in Jerusalem, Israel. Uh, just uh, a terrific coach. Uh, great experience, great knowledge. I think you're really going to enjoy him. I had a blast with him in learning. So after this time out, we'll be right back with Liam Flynn. Fast Model Sports is the world's most comprehensive, versatile basketball coaching software to help power your preparation. Fast Model has developed the industry's best coaching software, including the number one play diagramming and playbook software, Fast Draw. FastDraw bridges the gap between whiteboarding in the digital world with an incredibly easy-to-use interface that can be used on both your computer and iPad to providing maximum portability for your own personal play and drill database. It doesn't stop there. Along with FastDraw, they have other great programs such as Fast Scout, which helps coaches create clean, professional scouting reports customized for your team. FastModel is trusted and used by all NBA and WNBA teams, 85% of Division I college teams, and over 8,000 high school and youth teams from over 75 countries around the world. In addition to a great product, they also provide basketball coaching resources through their blog and play bank, which features over 5,000 free plays and drills on their online coaching community. For access to these plays and more information, visit FastModelSports.com or follow them on Twitter at FastModel. Hey, welcome to another edition of our Coaching You podcast. And so excited today to have Liam Flynn, a world traveler, a world-class coach, uh, as our guest today. Liam, welcome, my friend. Thank you, Coach. It's uh, it's so great to be on this podcast. I, I think I was listening to your Todd Simon podcast uh, last week while I was uh, scouting some Champions League games. So, I love listening to your pods. Well, thanks. And, uh, you know, uh, one of the things that, you know, uh, you know, <laughs> what the Internet has provided all of us that do this is that, uh, you know, I'm talking to you, you know, uh, you're in Jerusalem in Israel and, you know, and uh, the, now the capital of Israel. And, and, you know, and I'm sitting here in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, recording this and, and you know, and I'm talking before to a mutual friend of ours who's in uh, Australia, and then uh, another, uh, and, uh, and texting uh, with one of my former players, who's just basically the leading scorer in China earlier today. So that's what's yeah. so great. And literally, we didn't know that there were over fifty countries that listen to our pods each each week. And, and and so that we are grateful to share, and really thankful that you're able to come on with us and do that. So let's let's talk first about where you are now i think that's really important okay and we'll then kind of go all over the place as far as how does liam flynn a a fine mate one of my david patrick our great (laughs) mate from australia when i talked to him this morning and 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 i told him we're doing a pod with you and 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 you know you know the great thing about our game is you you know you're a, a great aussie mate and and now you you share your knowledge of ball all over the world and you end up in jerusalem how did that happen? Well, uh, I've got to say I was very fortunate to have a, a fellow member of the Bald Brotherhood, Ryan Pannone, who is a good friend of mine. He uh, he had this job for 
three of the last four years and did an amazing job here. And uh, when he was, uh, you know, stepped up to being a, a head coach in the G League and the, the club asked for a, a name that might be able to uh, step into the role, I was, you know, really fortunate that he put my name forward and, um, you know, here I am. So it's, uh, it's an amazing situation, uh, a, a, a great club, um, amazing coach to work with, really creative um, learning and doing things differently that I've ever done before. And, you know, we have high basketball IQ players and, uh, you know, an NBA style facility here. So I count myself very, very fortunate to be here. Liam, you're a guy that uh, is a lifelong learner and, uh, and, and teacher and coach. And so, you know, what happens with a guy like yourself is not only uh, do you come with this incredible knowledge from back in Australia and New Zealand and, places down in beautiful Oceania where you you're learning the game but now you've taken it to Europe you've taken it to China you go now into you know into Israel and stuff what, what do you find about the great game of basketball of how you're able to learn and how it transfers all over the world it's a great question um I think it's just having that uh that growth mindset of there's just something in every interaction or every game you watch um, or every coach that you work with that um, is either going to um, be new and that's something you can add to your repertoire or um, even something that might um, you disagree with, but that's good too because you know that what you are doing is what you want to keep doing. So I always say that when I do clinics that um, if you walk away with either a piece of information or something that you don't like that, you know, reinforces what you are doing. Both of those things are good, but um, just being open to um, learning from people and especially learning. Um, I'm big on language. I like teaching points and verbal cues. So um, a lot of the things that I'll share today are, are those kind of one word sentence, uh, one word verbal cues or sentences that I've you know stolen from someone else and are able to explain the game with. You know, one of the things that I, I've, I've found, uh, uh, Liam, you know, is that, you know, when, you know, you know, you talked about Ryan Pannone earlier, uh, who's a great, great friend of coaching you for years. And uh, what Ryan would do is he would send me and uh, several of his friends, he would share. I use the word, I, I talk about share. Uh, we've all been fortunate to learn and grow in our business because people shared knowledge with us it wasn't like no one was selfish and said hey I, i'm gonna i know something and you know what it's gonna help me win games so i'm not gonna share it with anyone like they've invented something in science that was gonna save the world you know there is no uh there's no patent on basketball in my opinion you know it is a, something that uh, if i have something that can help you or help your players that's what it's all about. And Ryan Pannone was a person that I, I, I loved because uh, I'm a big, huge fan of FIBA basketball. And the, some of the coaches from when I you know, would go over there in the late 80s and Chuck Daly and I would travel over there in the early 90s prior to the Dream Team. And we found that, uh, the clinics would, that we would do, they would have a 1,000, 2,000 coaches would come. You know, uh, and then you go to a clinic in the U.S. and there might be 50 people there. You know, the learning, the craving for knowledge is so huge around the world. And and what happened is we, we would give them something. And the next thing I knew, like literally Chuck Daly taught them 
the horn, what is now called the horn set. We called it the V set. Uh, mm. Back in, I remember, 1990-ish. We had just put it in with the Pistons. We went over and did a clinic in Spain prior to the Olympics a year and a half early. And the next thing you know, by the mid-90s and after, they did more with that offense than anyone in the U.S. has done. Uh, and, and they took it to another level, the coaches through Europe and FIBA. And, I, and I'm proud of that. I think it's great because they they took it and they expounded on it. But Ryan Pinot would share all this stuff, and I, and I just love that. And, I'm sh- and you're the same way. So tell me, in Jerusalem, with the great team that you're with, and I, and I, and I love from when Ryan was there, uh, talk about the coach there. Because I think it's important. Your partner, your teaching partner, your coaching partner, you know, it's a, it's a sharing thing where you're learning from him, he's learning from you. But tell me some of the things that you guys are working on that you're learning from that, you know, might help some of our listeners around the world. Sure. Uh, as you mentioned, I'm really fortunate to work with uh, Oded Katash, who uh, he was uh, uh, probably one of the most talented Israeli basketball players ever and uh, then translated into coaching um, and is now coaching the national team here. But mm-hmm. probably something that he's done over the last few years that is super creative is his three out to win system, which is actually really revolving around pick and roll play, but with three out two in spacing. Um, and I know Ryan shared a bunch of the clips in the system uh, online before, but it's just uh, just super interesting how we're able to, even though we're playing uh, with different spacing to what's been played uh, a lot in the NBA, really, a lot of that is four out and five out. Uh, we play three out to win, but we still find ways to create space, even though we're playing with two bigs. Uh, so that's a really, really unique way of playing on the offensive end. How, how does he do that? Let's see. Let's see your wordsmithing, if you can do that on audio as best you can. Because I'm really, you got me now. This is now, this is now all about Brendan now. This is all about me learning, okay? So you've totally, you know, I, w- I want to find out what Oz is, is sharing on the three out two in. Sure. Uh, I think one of the most important things is that uh, the non-screening big has to play what we call under the defense. Uh, so probably one of the main things I see when I go back to watching junior basketball is that non-screening bigs or bigs that aren't involved in the play uh, wait around on the low post. Um, And what we try and say to our bigs is we want them to play uh, heels to the baseline behind the backboard and they uh, pretty much trace the ball as it's dribbled off a ball screen. And we want them to be super aggressive sealing in the the paint. Um, And I guess before I came here, I thought that that would mean that we would clog up space. Right. The way it's ended up is that because they are under the defense, so they are um, spreading the floor vertically, and because they are sealing so aggressively, they engage their defender. Uh, so it actually opens up more space than if they were um, standing on the low block or not actually trying to seal and engage that defender. Uh, so it's really, really interesting. Um, and because they Uh, track the ball it actually opens up a rolling lane in the space where they left so Mm. you'll see with us a lot of mid pick and roll and space left for the roller to cut into because the the big under the defense has dragged his man towards the ball and engaged him so it's a it's a really interesting way of doing things 
Now, you and, uh, and I asked this sincerely, you had never seen that before, right? I'd only seen it. Um, I mean, other than on video, I mean. But yeah, never- on video, no. And and I actually thought we were going to be running a lot of post ups, and and we actually rarely post up uh, <laughs> or run post up plays. What we have is deep seals, short rolls, uh, or, or deep rolls. So we get our bigs touches on the rim. We get them uh, front rim seals, but um, there's not a lot of low post. Um, play except for when we invert and we post our guards. So when the guard is uh, w- the guard is bringing the ball down the floor with the three out two in, is the ball in the middle of the floor or is the ball on the uh, on the side? It's on a slot. Uh, so we have two options. It can be on a slot, and right. the other the trailing big um, is on the other slot, and they converge in a mid pick and roll for the first pick. Um, and we really make a focus of the the big that is ahead of the ball to rim race. We want them to run like crazy every time. So mm-hmm. if we have that first big sprinting and getting under the defense and sealing and engaging his defender, that really flattens the defense for that first mid pick and roll. Uh, so that's the first pick that could happen. Or we could just have uh, a pitch ahead pass and the wing player dribble the ball below the free throw line and then we play a side ball screen as the first pick. So there's two different ways they can do it, but in both cases, the first big will rim race and sprint, run like crazy and engage his defender and the second big will, what we say, come without your man, you need to sprint to the screen without your player and then they will set the first ball screen, either foul line extended below or around the... uh, the, the split line above the three-point line. Boy, you have me all captured. We might have to do a video <laughs> session right after this. Uh, but uh, let's take a quick time out, and we'll be right back with Liam Flynn. Let's take a second to tell you about one of our partners, Dr. Dish. Dr. Dish basketball shooting machines are the most high-tech and durable basketball shooting machines on the market. Each shooting machine was designed specifically for high repetition training to allow players to improve through technology. Dr. Dish offers game-like training to give hundreds of shooting reps in just minutes and provide powerful analytics to help players improve their game. Dr. Dish has also introduced Skill Builder, which is the first of its kind in the basketball shooting machine industry that enables players and coaches to stay connected, design and upload training exercises and instantly receive feedback on their workout, allowing for real-time adjustments and improved performance. It is, without question, the most innovative basketball training machine on the market. To learn more about Dr. Dish, log on to drdishbasketball.com or follow them on Twitter at drdishbball. Don't forget to mention Coaching You and receive $300 off on your next Dr. Dish purchase. That's right. Mention Coaching You or the podcast and get $300 off your Dr. Dish. Hey, welcome back to Liam Flynn. Uh, uh, during our uh, time out, boy, I, I was I was all over uh, drawing up diagrams and stuff while I was rolling that uh, sponsor's clip. Uh, but now, listen, now what you're doing some amazing things defensively there that in our discussions that things that I haven't seen or heard in a long time. If you'd mind sharing some of those. Sure. Uh, again, I, I've, I've uh, adopted a lot of this language um, from many coaches over the years and, sure. and especially from where I am right now. But 
like for our system right here, um, we're like many European teams where we like to uh, at least play three-quarter court man-to-man. And uh, I know that, um, you know, it's more difficult in other leagues to press up the floor, but, you know, we'll, we'll still play 60 or 70 games a season. Um, so, and we, you know, two, three times a week, and we'll expect our guys to uh, pick up the ball in the backcourt um, and what we want is we want to steal seconds from the shot clock. Right. So for us, if we can steal time, that means that we have to guard less actions when they cross half court. Um, so we're always on our guys to, uh, for our fours who are crashing the glass to uh, try and face guard the point guard and just be a nuisance, just disrupt. And uh, we especially want our guards to make sure the ball never crosses half court through the jump ball circle. So they need to pressure we don't care if they get beaten in the backcourt. We just want them to be an absolute nuisance there. Hmm. Now, explaining also, um, uh, Liam, as uh, to our, you know, we have a huge high school and uh, college coaches in the U.S. that listen. Uh, uh, please explain uh, FIBA rules uh, internationally. You're playing with how many seconds on your clock? 24 seconds. 24 seconds. Uh, novel idea. Everyone in the world is doing it except the U.S., uh, who I remind my brethren here, they invented the game, but haven't done a lot of work on it since. But now, how many seconds to get the ball across the timeline? Uh, eight seconds. Eight seconds. Another great idea to speed up the game. So you have eight seconds to get the ball up and your pressure in the backcourt, which now makes that guard has to work to get the ball up versus good pressure, correct? Right, right. And, and uh, along with that is that as well as pressuring the ball, we want every one of our other players to be playing on top of their players. Uh, so um, the way I, I guess, describe that is sure. that if, if we drew a line um, from probably where the break is on the three-point line down in the corner across the court, yeah. we never want our defenders to be in that part of the court. We want everyone on top of their players we want to build pressure more on the ball and what we call uh, playing on top or choking the ball. So, you know, whenever a player comes to our program, um, I guess a lot of them are used to playing tighter on their players and worrying about backdoor cuts or lobs. And we always say to our players, those are on us. Those baskets are on us. What we want you to do is play higher on your players so that you can draw more, uh, I guess, grow more pressure on the ball and if there's ever a chance where the ball comes at you, you can stunt up at the ball and not in towards the lane. And stunting up puts more pressure on the ball. Stunting in means that you're lower and you'll probably give up a drive and kick three. Yeah. So um, it's, a, it's a really interesting way. It's something that Coach Kaddish has, um, I guess he's created that here and I had never seen it before, but I just, I love the way that we play on top of our players and we just create... Uh, more pressure on the ball. To help our coaches that are listening visualize this, give me, let's say the player is running the right lane on the, on the break, let's say, as he's or, you know, as he's going down the court. Explain the stance of the defender that is guarding that player that's running the right wing, let's say. Right. So I guess when um, I guess when I started coaching and we talked about your positioning between the ball and your player, it was a lot of one third from your player and two thirds towards the ball. We'd be almost probably half and half. We want you to be even further towards the ball and your positioning will be more toes to the sideline, not toes up court. So that means that if the ball is driven down the slot towards you, 
you can stunt up at the ball, which buys your teammate a second to get back in front of the ball. But because you're on that passing lane to the corner, that driving kick pass is really hard. So the only other thing that that player can do is, yep, they can cut back door. Mm-hmm. But we would we would feel that we're putting so much pressure on the ball that that pass is going to be hard. It's going to be from a difficult angle. And that our weak side defenders who are also playing on top of their players will steal that pass. So it's a really unique way of playing. And we even have our players who are playing post players on top of their players and players who are guarding, say if there's two players on a side of the floor, we want both the nail defender and the, the low split line defender, they're playing on top of their players. So um, that that's for us the way we do it. And it just, it works in well with not only guarding the ball, but how we guard pick and rolls. Yeah. So the help. Okay. So I have the strong side, the help side guys, let's say the, let's say, you know, let's just take your offense. If you had a guard coming down in the slot and you had someone, let's say in the right wing area, and then you had that other big in the other slot area, what is his positioning? Is he towards the midline uh, of the court? Uh, how far over, or is he just worried about where his man is and not, you know what I mean? How, how are you positioning the help side defense? So, uh, so in the backcourt, he would be he would have the freedom to, especially when his man is inbounding the ball, to just go and be a nuisance on the ball. Um, double, stun, team, double team or whatever, yeah. Bake trap, go and trap and make the, the ball handler pass back to the inbounder. When it gets into the half court, if his man is standing on a slot, we want him almost – so if he was standing on the slot outside yeah. of the three-point line, sure. we would want his heels almost outside the three-point line as well. We want everyone on top of their players. We don't want them low and that it allows for easy reversal passes. It allows the dribbler to get downhill if they start driving to the middle. We always want them running into the next defender. Okay. And now, uh, so let's say a a lot of, um, you know, American teams, they're teaching the guard to, they influence the ball to the sideline, right? Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, The dribbler. Uh, you're not worried about how to influence them. You're just worried about pressuring them, right? Uh, we def- in the backcourt. We want to uh, turn them, and we don't we don't mind if our player presses the ball so hard that they get beaten. And gotcha. and again, the ball will run right into what we call the plugger, the big guy who's playing in the backcourt. But once it gets into the front court, again, we want to make sure the ball goes around the jump ball circle to cross half court. Right. And then we're definitely a, a, a team that wants to keep the ball on the out side. of the middle. Yeah, out of, on the side. Perfect. Okay, yeah. great. Now, let's say, for instance, there is a old traditional post player on the strong side block, you know, or top, you know, area to, to feed the ball into the low post. What is your yep. positioning on that player? We're on top of the, the post. Yeah. So they would be in a three-quarter denial. Uh-huh. Um, and then once the ball, let's say it gets passed to a, a feeding position, they can decide whether they are in a, a three-quarter denial or if it's a mismatch, it might be a butt front. But generally, it's a, a three-quarter denial. Yeah. Okay, great. Uh, th- that's fascinating stuff. Now, when you get to ball screens, um, and I know you're a big ball screen guy, you know, traditionally, w- w- you know, whether that pick comes, uh, you know, uh, on an early offense with a uh, – and it doesn't matter really at all – what what are you trying to do on that as far as uh, defending ball screens? That's my big thing in the world is how how do you, how do we all defend ball screens? Because I'm still searching for it. 
Well, one thing that I found was new and fascinating from Coach Kadash is how we defend ball screens in transition. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess generally our transition defense, uh, it starts with the offensive rebound. We're a, a, real, we're a five-man crashing offensive rebound team. But then when we play transition defense, when I used to coach transition defense, it was always about matching up quickly and finding a player quickly. Mm-hmm. We actually want to do the opposite. We want to zone it. So we don't want to match up too quickly because that means that, that players may put two on the ball or two on one player. So we sprint back and zone it. And then the, um, the fifth player runs back to the weak side. And then if there's any pick and rolls, um, we will do a lot more containment of the pick and roll in transition because we're not, we're not structured in a way that's ready for blitzing coverage. So you'll see a lot of us in transition. We'll do a lot of um, under we'll switch a lot of pick and rolls or we'll do what we call a next. So if the ball comes off, say a, a, a side pick and roll to the middle, uh, we won't have our, our screen defender uh, come up to the point of the screen. We'll have that player that we just talked about at the nail who's on top of his player. He will hard stun at the ball. And, and that's a defense that's really popular at the moment in Europe um, playing that next defense uh, because it, it keeps the, the screener's defender with his player um, and it makes the offense have to bring the ball to the other side of the floor instead of getting downhill to the basket. Yeah. So that's our, our pick and roll coverage in transition. Yeah, I think Europeans do an absolutely incredible job of their screeners. Uh, it, it doesn't matter if the guy's seven foot or six eight post player or screener. Uh, they can all pick and pop, right? They can all shoot, it seems. You know, they have such high skill level. Uh, you know, so that is a perfect way to take that screener out of the game, correct? Right, absolutely. You know, uh, talk about, if you would, <laughs> uh, the concept, uh, which I absolutely love, the Spain concept that, you know, again, you don't see it at all, hardly in the U.S., but boy, uh, the teams in throughout international play that are really well-versed in it. How does, you see a lot of it, in your competition and you know throughout the Euro League and stuff like that, how do you guys defend uh, Spain pick? Or if you would even explain it, Liam, uh, to our listeners first. You're talking about the next defense? No, no, just in general. I'm sorry, I, I'm a little. You got me so darn excited. I'm all. I'm back. On, <laughs> I'm back on offense, brother. Uh, no, so the the concept of a Spain screen, okay, which is a a back pick, a back pick, or oh, right. a rip back screen. Yeah, yes. uh, you know, on yeah. on on after the player sets the screen. Uh, yeah. How how, do, how how would you defend that? Either in your new, uh, in the defense that you're running now, or or you know what you what you've seen before that's effective. Sure, I guess uh, just kind of using our mentality here with any pick and rolls or sure. any screen, we, we always think the best way to guard a screen is that it never happened in the first place. So. <laughs> One of our things is the, the language we use is we want to cancel screens. So that means that if you are guarding the ball in a pick and roll, so even this stack, stack pick and roll example, sure, we want to divert the ball to the sideline so that the ball handler never takes a slicing or sharp angle to start the stack pick and roll. And if we can do that, um, we cancel the screen. We cancel the action. Um, and it's the same with the screener sprinting into the pick and roll. Um, we never want screeners to cut over our big toes. So we ask them to move the screen and cancel the screen. 
So move it so that it's not even impacting our guard. So that's our mentality first is always cancel screens. Um, if there's a stack pick and roll, so there's a, a guard ready to set a rip screen on the, the, the pick and roll, then again, move the screener. Don't let him cut over your toes and cancel the action. And then, you know, if, if there is contact and all else fails, then, you know, we, we have a choice of whether we um, switch from the big and triple switch or we just switch from the two guards. So um, I guess um, there's no clear way that we do it, that we, um, we allow a lot of decision-making with our players that they need to read if we've cancelled the screen, if anyone's gotten contact on the screen, um, if we need to just triple switch or just switch with the two guards. And I think that's probably the, um, the most pleasing thing about working with our players is they're such high basketball IQ that they're mm. great defensive decision makers. They can anticipate if the, the action will be cancelled and they can stay with their own player. But a couple of things jumped out at me. Uh, first of all, when you said high basketball IQ defensively, that's almost never a term you hear in the U.S. You hear about guys offensively. You know, Ben Simmons, who I had, you know, the highest basketball IQ I ever had, NBA or college. Uh, but, you know, but we rarely say it about – probably Rodman was a – when I had him was a high – basketball defensively IQ, you know, uh, but it's a great term. Um, I love the term canceling screens. Goodness gracious. I never heard that. that that's <laughs> fabulous. And then cut over the toes. I, I think that is, that's fabulous. But I, I love your verbiage that you talk about. Uh, talk about how important it is in coaching. Uh, what I call, we have to have a basketball language to communicate and you, like Chuck Daly, believe uh, as many one word or sound bites as possible in coaching, not using nice, uh, you know, paragraphs to, to coach. You have to be able to explain things sometimes and communicate in one word. Talk about how you evolved to that and some of the words that you might use. Sure. I guess uh, when I was a younger coach, I was uh, always thought that every practice was a coaching clinic and I spoke way too much <laughs> and I'm sure I bored my players to tears. And so um, I think two things happened. One was that I, I did some studies, uh, did a master's in um, sports coaching and realized that talking too much was not the way to do it. Um, that more open questioning, um, talking to the players, asking them, um, if they understand the concept, um, but also coaching overseas where the players' English isn't their first language. So going into long anecdotes, um, you lose the players. And especially for us here, we're, we're a club that has, between the players and the coaches, we've got seven nationalities with, that speak seven different languages as their first language. So probably one of the first things we did this season was uh, we developed – um, it's been developing over the, the years before I got here, but we really wrote it on the whiteboard and said, uh, what is our language here? What is Jerusalem language? Right. So, you know, everything had a term um, and that that was organic over the first probably four or five weeks of practice where we would try some words and um, some of them would work and other times coach would say, no, I don't think I would say that word. I would say it this way. And yeah. so that replaced the word we thought would work. Um, so now we've got a really good, um, language and we try and talk in verbal cues, one word cues. Um, and we try and use those little 
phrases, um, you know, on top of your players and showing hands off the ball and all those little mm-hmm. um, technologies so that they speak Jerusalem when they come here. I love that, speak Jerusalem. You know, and that's the thing. It doesn't matter if you're in Germany, China, uh, in Israel, Australia. It doesn't matter. I mean, you, you have to be, everyone has to understand the language and you can only speak one language. It's one of my things is that, it, you know, like in, in sometimes uh, you have a coaching staff where four people on the staff, they're all from different backgrounds and they all have their own language. But no matter you have to get to one language and that's what you guys have done a great job of. I love that. And we're going to take a quick time out and we'll be right back with Liam Flynn. Let's hear from our latest sponsor, Max One. Max One is the all-in-one coaching app that allows your team to train, communicate, and stay organized all in one easy-to-use spot. With all these useful features for one low price, I can't emphasize enough the value Max One can bring to your program, especially with the basketball season right around the corner. I know firsthand the importance of keeping your team on the same page as the season reaches its peak. I'm confident Max One can solve these problems for you and keep your program connected to help ensure you're on pace for the most effective season possible. Max One allows you to create individualized workouts for each player on your team with videos attached and deliver them right to your athlete's phone, eliminating spreadsheets and paper handouts and helping your players improve as the season goes on. You can then combine these workouts into an entire in-season program tailor-made to complement all the hard work that your athletes are already putting in during the season. You can even track your athletes' progress on the Max One leaderboards to see the improvement coming from your team, keeping everyone on the team accountable while encouraging a culture of competition. I also know how the calendar feature allows you to keep athletes, parents, and coaches alike as organized as possible. Workout schedules, practices, tournament games can all be created via color-coded schedules ensuring your athletes are in the loop with details on whatever events you have throughout the long season. To learn more about how Max One can help you run your program this offseason, head to their website at gomaxone.com and schedule a free 15-minute demo with a Max One program specialist. As always, mention me, Coach Brendan Sir sent you, and you'll receive a special discount if you decide to purchase. Again, visit www.gomaxone.com gomax1.com right now to schedule your free demo you won't be disappointed and we're back with liam flynn uh, liam you've had an incredible background where you've coached around the world you've had a great influence when you went to germany several years ago and worked with one of the really great great coaches in german basketball and dirk bauman uh talk about uh he as a coach and an influencer to yourself Oh, Coach Bauman has been uh, probably one of the most um, influential coaches on my career. Um, I talk about coach um, to many of my friends. Like I think about coaching as um, there's a lot of uh, coaches who are great uh, technical teachers. There's a lot of coaches who are great in-game tacticians, and there's some that are great motivators. And you know, you're lucky if you can do one of those things well. Um, you're a good coach if you can do two of them well. 
uh, but Coach Bauman did all three. Uh, he would be, he, we would be in a practice and he would um, say some technical detail of the angle of the feet, of how we wanted to have them angled when we trapped from the baseline, the post player. And then in the next breath, he's talking about um, something motivational and you wanted to run through a wall for him, you know. And then in games, he was just a master, you know, chess player. And so I was super, super fortunate to work with him. And probably the biggest thing that um, I got from him uh, was his way of teaching pick and roll play. Uh, he's just an absolute master and probably one of the um, the first coaches to really explore the mid pick and roll with four out spacing uh, since he coached the, the national team with Dirk Nowitzki. Yeah, no, I, I've been following him from way back then and, and watched some of the things. Tell me, and, 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 you know, around the world, he is known as a total master in pick and roll. Tell me a couple of the teaching things that he emphasizes. Uh, at the, I guess with the, the pick and roll creator, um, one of the, the big things that coach is about is uh, the spacing, um, the setup, and the, the slice. The three S's um, is what I've, I guess, made them into, but they're all Coach Bauman's philosophy. So spacing, we're talking about, he was big on playing from the four-point line, and that was something that we actually adopted from the Philadelphia 76ers when yeah. um, I, I went there and watched a practice and saw their two lines and thought, I'm going to take that with me back to Germany. So we wanted all our players to play from the four-point line. Um, so that's the first their spacing. The second one is the setup. So we always want to be a threat to refuse the ball screen at all times. So for me, when I, I watch pick and roll play, um, one of the first things I watch for is that um, which way is the, the guard facing? Is, he, is his back to the basket? Is he side to the basket? Is it looking like he's going to be playing pick and roll? Um, or is it that he can deceive the defender um, that he might go away from it? So that might be a jab step. That might be a like a, a hard drive away from the pick. Um, it might even be that if he's coming off a – an off-ball screen into the pick-and-roll that he's a threat to curl cut and that he bounces back to play the pick-and-roll. So the setup's really important to get that separation between the creator and the on-ball defender because if you don't have that that separation, they can just climb into you and, and cancel the screen. So um, setup is the second S. And then the, the third S is the slice. So... The slice is the angle we want to attack from. So we want to get back above the point of the screen and attack on a downhill or slicing or diagonal angle when we come off the pick. So again, the the if you come off that on that angle, you force the the creator or the on-ball defender to have to choose. Are they going to try and blow up the screen, trail the screen, or go under? But if you come off on a flat angle almost below the level of the screen, then again, the, the on-ball defender can climb into you and cancel the screen. So those three things I've just turned into a little 3S, um, three-step process, and, and that's what we teach our guys here, the spacing, the setup, and the slice. And how was uh, Coach Akedish, uh, did, how did he respond to that? Is he also one that loves to learn? Oh, he is. And it's funny, like he likes his... Um, pick and rolls to be played from the three-point line and not the four-point line. Sure. And I can see the benefits from that as well. So it's so awesome to work with different coaches that have developed their philosophies. 
Um, you know, both of them are huge on setting up your defender. So always being prepared to refuse the pick. Um, and I guess both of them have been just masters in teaching pick and roll. Yeah. Um, whether the, the player with the ball or, you know, how we want the screener to, as we say here, come without your man, that, you know, faking, creating separation and sprinting into the screen. And that timing of as that screener is sprinting in, that the guard is timing their refusal so that when they come back off the screen, it's like music, it happens together. So when we do a lot of pick and roll breakdowns, it's always with two players involved because that timing is so key. We never want um, we never want stops. We never want an opportunity for the defense to get back on balance and lose that advantage. So that that music of you know the band playing together is really really important for us. Yeah, what I've seen uh, at US uh, with US schools and teams uh, at the college and pro level is that. So many coaches are into player development, quote unquote, uh, that they think player development is a one man game. And uh, so you have guys doing shooting with no help from anyone else, no, you know, not learning how to receive a pass except from a coach and not many of them are playing. Uh, and so I think, you know, one of the things is doing things where actually people that you're going to be playing with are making the pass or setting the screen. So I think that's a really valuable teaching point that you're making. Uh, really important. Hey, going back, um, uh, you know, you made a great point uh, of Brett Brown with his four-point line. Uh, for those at, uh, uh, at any level or in any country that don't understand explain to them the distance of the four-point line from the basket uh, in NBA terms, roughly. Sure. So the from what I saw when I was at the, right. the 76ers practice was that it was essentially a, a full foot behind the three-point line. So for international level, it would be the NBA three-point line. But, you know, we want our players to play from the four-point line to stretch the defense uh, as far from the basket and as far from each other as we can, and that they can always step into the three-point line to shoot or attack downhill. So that was a really great point of reference, um, and especially that we use that that point of reference that they had to get to the four-point line before we played pick and roll. So that was kind of um, our, our terminology of spacing before advantage. Well, get to the four-point line, that's the spacing, and then we come with the pick and roll. That's the advantage. So um, that was how um, we taught our the four-point line concept to the players. Yeah, I, I think it's one of the more innovative things that when I heard that Brett did that a few years ago, I said, man, that, that's really a great idea, and I think it's really important, and it's a, it's a great way to teach. And again, at any level, high school, college, pro, uh, you just adjust the lines accordingly, as you explained. Um You've done a lot of teaching, uh, have created a lot of programs, curriculums, videos, and stuff for player development and, and for players and teams to improve. Uh, would you share some of them and, and then how can our listeners get a hold of them? Because I, I mean, the th stuff that I've seen has been absolutely outstanding. Oh, I appreciate that, Coach. Um, I guess what the first thing that I'm really passionate about is just helping other coaches. Um, I, I really wish... Uh, we had uh, some of these um, online things when I was a young coach. It was just so hard to uh, access information. So um, I guess the the main thing that I do is I, I write um, curriculums for uh, basketball clubs and a lot of it is taking them through a, 
creating a style of play that's unique to their club and then developing teaching points and verbal cues for every component of the game so that um, all the, the club speaks the same language, yep. uh, that all the um, teaching points flow from one age group to the other. And, you know, a lot of times we'll have a, a player in under-18s, we'll talk to his sister in under-12s and they can talk the same language that's their, their club language. So um, I, I guess I, I work on that with clubs and, um, if if coaches just want to watch videos, they can also go to my website and uh, or Coach Tube and and find my videos and um, they're on all different topics and hopefully there's something in there that can help them with their um, teams and I try and do it that it's as uh, applicable for a under 14 club team or a, a professional team in Germany. So um, I, I hope that it helps those coaches uh, in their their learning and in their journeys. Liam, uh, would you share uh, your website with our listeners? Sure. It's uh, www.coachliamflynn.com and they can find me on Twitter at, at Coach Liam Flynn. You know, um, you know I, I hope, uh, you know, maybe uh, this summer uh, you'll be able to, if you're uh, at the NBA Summer League that you'll be able to come by our uh, event, our Coaching You Live event in Las Vegas, uh, you know, where we have some of the best teachers in the world uh, in the NBA and stuff, teaching and stuff like that as my guest uh, because you would you just really enjoy it. And, and as a great learner and someone that's shared so much with our listeners, I really appreciate this. And I'm really glad we caught up. We have so many mutual friends, and uh, this has been great. Thank you, Coach, and I'd, I'd love, I'm there at Summer League uh, every year, so it'd be, uh, I've heard so many great things about your coaching new clinics. It would be wonderful to see them. Well, hey, thank you again. Best of luck this season. My best to Coach Kedish and stuff. I, I love what he does, and uh, and I've always been a big fan of his and and uh, everyone uh, in the, in our great country of Israel. Uh, so please, uh, let's keep in touch. And again, I know our listeners are really going to enjoy this, Liam. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank you, Coach. That was incredible. I enjoyed that because it's so much fun, even on a podcast, to be able to talk basketball strategy, concepts, coaching uh, with someone that you know is so well versed. But more importantly, that speaks a language from around the world. You know, those of us that are stuck in one country and we're only used to coaching, whether it be in the U.S., England, uh, you know. Australia, but now to be able to talk to someone who's been all over and to find out what methods work, I think is priceless. So we really appreciate Liam for that. And uh, for every coach out there, we wish you a happy new year on behalf of our family coaching you and uh, really look forward to it. We have a saying that we said it the other day on New Year's Eve that 2020 is going to be the best year for our company and the best year for us as people. So we wish you the very, very best. And we're here to always assist and help you as we share uh, on our journey together. So until next week, this is the coach, Brendan Sir. 